Outlet pass the block. Here come the Aces on the run. The Energizer looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of three. Chance of three. The Energizer. What a three from half court. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There were six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. In, in, in. Our number deuce here on this terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Don't forget, tonight, it could be terrible Tuesday for the Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> Take it on the Las Vegas Aces. It's Game 1, WNBA Semifinals. Of course, the television coverage, ESPN 2 tonight, tipping it off at 7 o'clock. The radio side, of course, pregame, yours truly, 6.30, tip off, 7.02. That's what we're doing. Join me uh, tonight on the radio side of it, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, notches down the dial. Liz Cambage will be joining me during the pregame show. Bill Lambeer, of course, as well, too. And Liz Cambage coming your way here this hour as we get in-depth in talking with the Superstar Center for the Aces. But, yes, get on out there. Support the Aces. Fans back for the playoffs. Man, it, it's been a while since we've had that and looking forward to a great crowd on hand tonight at the Michelob Ultra Arena, the Mandalay Bay. Game one, and you're going to have – some talent on the floor tonight. I mean, you've got Diana Tarazi, you've got Brittany Griner on the Phoenix side, and of course, uh, the Aces with their seven double digit scorers. The now I got to say, former MVP in Asia Wilson, since John Quill Jones That's was terrible. named the MVP today for the Connecticut Sun, deservedly so. But yes, uh, you know, you're going to have seven Olympic gold medalists on the floor tonight. Think about that seven gold medalists. From the Tokyo Games. So looking forward to it. Game one, best of five series. It starts tonight at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Okay. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us uh, last hour. And uh, we transitioned that into a little bit more football talk this hour with... We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. (laughs) TJ Reeves. What's going on, my man? Always great to be with my initials brother from another mother, especially on a terrible Tuesday. But how terrible can it be if we've got Las Vegas Aces game one with my man TC on the mic? I know you're in full prep mode. You're going all out here with the show. Do we have like the lozenge, the hot tea, so that you can get vocal, loud, and proud in the second half of this game if it gets crazy? Give it me the update, brother. Yeah, you know what? It's funny you you bring that up because I was telling Numchuck before the show started today that uh, my voice, I'm already feeling a little raspiness here. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm trying to pace myself here, you know? I mean, uh, you know, being a, like La Severe into the 5,000 meters or something like that, I need to, you know, <laughs> you, you like that old fi- finish reference there. there just, just pull something out of the air and go with it. I love that. Yes, very nice. There it is. All right. So, yeah, looking forward to that tonight. But uh, you got, got to pace myself. You're right. A lot of talking going on with the airwaves here, as you know, my friend. So, And you yourself, freshly back 
from Los mm. Angeles making the cross-country trip, the 3,000-plus miles at SoFi Stadium. I want to know, TJ Reeves, before we start getting into Rams, Bucks, I want to know SoFi Stadium, the $5 billion SoFi Stadium, what were your impressions? It was crazy. It is everything that it was hyped to be. It is something out of a movie almost. It is Hollywood. Although everybody kept saying it's Inglewood, it's not Hollywood. It's true. Uh, it, it, that it's expansive. I mean, we walked almost a mile, literally, from the media area to get into the SoFi Stadium complex to give you an idea of how spread out it is. And remember, it's on the property of what Hollywood Park, the racetrack, used to be. And they're eventually going to put the LA Clippers new arena there as well on that same property. So it just it tells you how massive it is. A couple of interesting things. You walk in at about the 400 level, the fourth level, and then it's 90 feet down into the lower bowl for the lower three levels with the locker rooms, the tunnels, lower suites. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, that video board is amazing up above it. It's probably easily a 30 or $40 million video board that can show about seven different things at one time on the same ribbon around the, uh, the field. The PA system was loud enough that I'm surprised you couldn't hear it to the east in Vegas. It's that loud. It's that crazy. And the Rams, they were, they were rocking. So it was, it was quite the atmosphere, uh, for that game on Sunday. And you can understand why the NFL went all out to build that thing and have not one but two teams there with the LA Chargers there. Because keep in mind, they play there as well and they've gotten good. And so I imagine they're going to have some atmosphere because they were, they were loud, and it was full Sunday for the Buccaneers. You know, we talk a lot about the crowds in L.A. and, again, being void of football for, for a long time until the Rams relocated, you know, going back now, what, five, six years ago. What was the crowd like as far as was it a true home field advantage? And I don't know you've got a place that can seat 90,000, but how many Buccaneer fans were there? I would guesstimate there were probably about two or 3,000 at least in the lower bowl uh, TV left and left of the Buccaneer bench. There were a lot of them. There's a huge Buccaneer fan club that has obviously grown in the last year or two because of the Super Bowl called the Buckaholics. The Buckaholics are based in Southern California. So this was like a home game for that fan club, and they probably had 500 people in that fan club in that one end zone, uh, probably about 30 rows up. They owned that whole section of the end zone. With Buccaneers, which is interesting because that means Ram fans probably sold them their tickets, et cetera. And when the Bucks did, they didn't do a whole lot of things well, but they did a couple of things well and scored, and they scored a couple of times in that end zone. And when they did, you could hear the Buck fans around that stadium. But to answer your question about whether the wine and cheese crowd, the laid back Ram fans, you know, they didn't have any fans at any of the games for the Rams, the Chargers last year, but they were boisterous, loud. And they were causing problems with the Bucks trying to hear. The Bucks had three different times. They had a false start in the game, one of them right off the bat on the opening drive. So they were making lots of noise. And it was, it was some atmosphere, and it helps when you win. And the Rams have been winning. They've been a playoff contender. They won a playoff game last year. So, And all the A-listers, uh, I mean, I was looking at that Magic Johnson and LeBron James and the crew, the cast and crew of Ted Lasso was there. And, the, and Dr. Dre, who's had some health problems, was there. Everybody but the doctor. No TC Martin, but they were they were scanning the crowd for all the celebs during all the commercial timeouts, and I'm like, okay, this is an in thing now in LA to be at the Rams game and be at the stadium. Well, listen, I I had to be here. I had to be at the two point five yeah. uh, billion dollar stadium, not the five billion dollar stadium, because uh, we had games 
at the same time here with the uh, Raiders and the and the Dolphins. And as you know, how crazy that thing ended. I mean, this was a game. What you were witnessing there, that was a beatdown. That was a smokeout, baby. That was a blowout over there, okay? And your boys got blown out. Over here, I mean, we had history in the making again, TJ Reeves. We had we had two uh, we had we've had two home games, two overtime games, two overtime wins, and two overtime wins on the final play of the game. That was what's going on in Las Vegas. That's where the doctor was at. Uh, yeah, I know, and I saw the pictures of you being at the tailgate. And thank you to Daniel Carlson, who continues to kick my fantasy teams into first place uh, with making. I mean, it's a great day when you can look after the game is over with. And see Daniel Carlson kick two field goals in the overtime to add to the point right. total. How right. how rare is that uh, with making the second one there at the very end? I'm curious about one thing because I have not looked in all the blur of the last two two um, days or so. John Gruden was always very big on taking one shot at the end zone at the very end when you're in field goal range just in the event that you could maybe score a touchdown, draw a flag, and get on the one-yard line, whatever. Don't just put it all on the field goal. I am curious at the end of overtime, did they take a shot at the end zone when they were inside the 20, inside the 10, trying to trying to run the clock down and get into field goal position for the final seconds? What did they do? Well, they really didn't have time because you got to remember that kick was the final play of the game. Right. So they really didn't didn't have that luxury, you know, to do that. And they drove down the field with the two big plays. You know that uh, you know to, to Edwards, and then um, you know with the uh, you know with uh, Peyton Barber. I mean that got, kind of got him down there. And then they got inside the ten. So yeah, at that point in time, there was really no need for that. You know, again, if they're if you're not in overtime, and you got to remember at that point, you got to remember that they just needed a field goal anyway. So a little bit different scenario than you know if there is you know if they if it well, was the right, first drive. I mean, I'm just I'm saying he I have done radio shows with him before and right. he has always subscribed to that theory of if you can get a chance, especially in a sudden death overtime, to score the touchdown, uh, throw a low risk pass in the back of the end zone, and if it's either caught or it's all the way out of the back of the end zone, or maybe you get a penalty and then try the field goal. So I was just curious right. if he lived up to that. Well, or not, certainly Carlson delivered. And you're mentioning Peyton Barber, who's now one of the star writers, a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, yes. by the way, at the beginning of his career. That, that is true. That is true. And, you know, just, you know, to cl- clarify that point, though, Gruden did try to do that on the first time, uh, the first possession overtime, where they won the coin flip, where they needed a touchdown, right. and they had to settle for a field goal. So, again, he didn't set, they didn't say, hey, we're, we just want the field goal. He did take a shot to the end zone on that first drive. But the second drive, when all they needed was, if uh, you know, a field goal there as the you know time was running down. It was weird. I mean, again, you had nine points in the overtime, three field goals, and remember, with only the ten minute you know period, yeah, uh, they, they ran it all the way down to the end. So, uh, pretty pretty crazy there. And speaking now, TJ Reeves. I mean, I know this your first time uh, with old school fantasy football, and you're talking about your kicker. You better start talking about my kicker, Justin Tucker, who I believe someone over there uh, on the conference call going back you know four weeks ago was was laughing at the doctor for for taking justin tucker like in the fifth round my friend now you see what i'm talking about 66 yards and about 20 points for that kick alone yeah i i still am trying to figure out the doctor's scoring system in the old school fantasy league we got another conversation for another oh, that's time be- it's on that beautiful it's a, beautiful a 66 yard field goal is pretty remarkable and yeah. for the lions to see that thing hit the crossbar and flutter in the air for a second and then fall over the crossbar 
where if it if it obviously uh, hits the wrong way, they win the Lions because they're up 17-16. But, of course, it's the Lions. So it has to flutter the other way, and you lose the game. Uh, it's, it's amazing that these kickers – uh, I mean, they, they lock it in from, from 55 and even 60 yards almost automatically now. It's crazy. Uh, you look at the end of that Sunday night game, and by the way, I'm bowing figuratively. You can't see me to the doctor, yet another Three Dog Thursday successful underdog from the podcast from the doctor. You were calling for the Green Bay Packer outright win. You were looking great at 17 nothing. You were looking not so great when the 49ers had the ball and were driving for the win. And then they left Aaron Rodgers too much time. But I was watching that game at LAX Airport with a few hundred of my closest friends, and I kept saying to my Buccaneer people that were around me and everybody else around me, He's going to make this if it's anywhere inside of like 55 yards. Everybody makes this kick. And Mason Crosby made the kick, yet another walk-off win on the final play of the game. But the doctor called it. You called it on Three Dog Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, on the T.C. Martin Show, the doctor has picked a successful NFL underdog three consecutive weeks on the show. you got to be back for week four. You are not allowed to leave. I'm, I'm holding you hostage for another NFL underdog coming this week on Thursday. And there is your dagger. So the only thing that you got wrong there, TJ, I was looking good that entire game because the when the Niners took the lead with 37 seconds to go, it was 28-27. I was getting my three and a half. So I was golden no matter what. But, yes, the outright win, 37 seconds left. Uh, Rodgers to Devontae Adams uh, two times. Mason Crosby with a 50-yarder. Boom. Uh, boom, shuckalugalugga, boom. Thank you very much for that. How do you that. not have two yes. guys on Devontae yeah. Adams yeah. Yeah. on either exactly. one of those two plays? Exactly. How do you not have yeah. two guys yeah. all over yeah. it? Like man-to-man yeah. man defense. And, and, again, and I'm going to throw another thing, okay? Remember, it's, it's three in a row from the NFL, but 4-0 overall in Three Dog Thursday, that fabulous yes, podcast, because you wanted me to give you a college one a couple weeks ago, and I gave you. I gave you one college and one pro. I'm willing to give you whatever you want, but then you kind of been reining me back a little bit the last few weeks saying, oh, just give me one. Give me one. I said, well, you want college? You want pro? Oh, give me pro. So I'm playing requests here for you. I'm playing requests, <laughs> and I'm limited, okay? I'm limited on hamstrung, and I'm still delivering you nothing but cash winners. I understand. I understand. The doctor is rolling. I await with bated breath. Who is the NFL underdogs? Uh, who is the NFL underdog that you're taking? And we're rolling along on the Three Dog Thursday podcast in part because of the wisdom uh, of your NFL savagery right now against the spread. It's, it's amazing. Well, we proud of you. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Again, Three Dog Thursday podcast, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, check it all out. TJ does a great job, and, and we have a lot of fun with that. So anytime, my friend. Uh, going back real quick before we leave the Buccaneers talk here, is this just a bad matchup for the Bucks and the Rams? That's two years in a row now that the Rams have, have gotten the W and won rather convincingly. I think in this case, it was a bad matchup for the Buccaneers secondary, and, and the secondary is beat up. I'm not making excuses, but this is the truth. Your guy, Sean Murphy, Bunting is out. They lost another defensive back on the second possession of the game, and they weren't the same, and McVay was taking advantage of that. And you got to give the Rams uh, a lot of credit. I mean, that's one of the top teams in the NFC. That's one of the two or three best ones, along with the defending champs, the Packers that we're talking about. That's probably the three elite teams right now that will be there at the end. So you give them a lot of credit. Maybe it is a bad matchup. I I know this. Uh, the, the Bucks had some chances early on in that game that they didn't take advantage of, and maybe it's a different game if they had. They had uh, an opportunity to deflect an interception early on that would have maybe rattled Matt Stafford, didn't catch the ball. They got a strip 
on uh, on a caught ball in the first quarter with a fumbles on the ground at midfield. They don't jump on it. The Rams jump on it, and they go on to score a touchdown and lead the game 7 to nothing. the first touchdown of the game. So maybe the game would have been different at the beginning um, if, that, if that had gone that way. But as the game wore on, McVay is a masterful play caller. They do tremendous uh, the tremendous work on setting things up for later in the game, et cetera, et cetera. So you just got to give them credit. You got to give them credit that they played well, and they're going to be tough to beat in that building. I can tell you that right now if they have some kind of home field advantage. All right. And there he is, T.J. Reeves, our guy, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter. So let's go to our man on the street sitting there in the corner of Northdale Mayberry Highway there in Tampa, Florida. That's right. Uh, give us the latest Richard Sherman in Tampa today, talking with Buccaneers brass about joining your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My friend, is there a Richard Sherman sighting? Have you seen the dreadlocks? Have you seen the braids there on uh, Northdale Mayberry Parkway? Yes. Uh, we'll help you out. It's Maybrey. It Maybrey. Like Maybrey was RFD. Andy Griffin. Maybrey. Maybrey. Dale right. Maybrey. So Richard Sherman is there at, uh, at, at one buck. On Northdale Mabry, and I, I believe they're going to get something done. But the real question is, at what cost, salary cap wise, and how do they work that out? And the bigger football on the field issue is, I don't know this answer. They're going to evaluate him. They've been evaluating him today. How well can he run? Can he run 40, 50 yards downfield with elite receivers anymore? I mean, this is not the Richard Sherman of 2015 or 2016 that we're talking about to do that. So that's the real question marks. Uh, and I do believe that we'll hear something here in the next couple of hours because if they are making this move, they're doing it for right now to have him on the practice field tomorrow and have him ready to play at, at least a few snaps, see what kind of shape he's in for the Sunday night game in New England because, again, the Bucks are down two starters. So I just checked just before we came on with a couple of, of the Buccaneer uh, media people and peeps to see what the latest is and see if they've seen him, that kind of thing. We now we are in dinner time here in the Eastern time zone at about 6.30 Eastern time. I would suspect if they have a deal, we're going to hear about it shortly because they, again, want him practicing tomorrow. All right. Back to Northdale, Mabry, Parkway. Very good. Antonio Brown, what's the latest? Has not passed the COVID test for back-to-back days that I know of unless he did today. Again, the key on that is he could not be in the facility uh, yesterday to be able to go over film, work out, et cetera, until he passes it for back-to-back days. So we have not been told anything today that he's off that list. Um, and, I, you know, I know this. Uh, there, there are a couple of people. I know of somebody here in the Tampa Bay area that tested positive, that had some symptoms and felt better, and they continued to test positive because they were trying to go back to work and their work required a negative test to go back to work. They continued to test positive for over 10 days, even though they felt better. There is a media member that I know of. There were several media members, I guess, with the New Orleans Saints that ended up getting COVID-19. There is a media member with the New Orleans Saints uh, that she has, conti- it's a she, she has continued to test positive for almost two weeks after having symptoms, and she can't go back uh, around the facility, around the team, and around the other media members so, again, this has only been approximately a week from him uh, for Antonio Brown testing positive, apparently, midweek last week. The hope is he tests negative two days in a row, 
Was that yesterday and today? Is that today and tomorrow? And then he could practice. Until then, he cannot. So we don't have an update on Antonio Brown's availability. We'll wait and see. Man, three, three of them. Has Tom Brady had a Subway sandwich yet? <laughs> That's a great question. Here's the real question. How many millions of dollars have they paid him for those commercials when we all are in on the gag that he doesn't eat Subway and doesn't eat bread? Exactly. It's amazing. I, I, in terms watching of an this. endorsement, it's crazy. Yeah, so I figured, again, you would have the inside information on that. Right, Tom, what's what's the deal? Are you just taking the money? Are you Steve Miller band? Are you just taking the money and run? I mean, what is the deal with this? I mean, I don't, you, you I, can't I, eat that stuff, even though eat fresh, eat healthy, right? You gotta, you gotta believe though that he's not uh, the only one out of that group with Serena Williams and Steph Curry that may not exactly go hang out at the local subway and go get their five dollar BMT, whatever the case is. Uh, but they, they obviously on a on a huge multi million dollar campaign because those commercials are everywhere and they've done a bunch of big money buys on the NFL trying to help their image. It is, it is just interesting. I, the, the the one that almost looks like an ad for the for the cologne or whatever that, that he's about the fresh bread or whatever. It's tremendous. Everybody recognizes him and everybody knows that's a subway commercial. And that's the whole idea. Even if he isn't actually eating the bread. Right. All right, my friend, you know, what's happening tonight. All right. Major league baseball, your Tampa Bay Rays visiting Minute Maid Park and the Astros. These two teams battling for the number one overall seed in the American League final week of the season. Yes, TJ Reeves, I purchased my airline tickets for the postseason. I tried to get out in front of this and, again, trying to do my my best job of figuring, okay, which games I can attend between the, the Aces schedule and the ALCS. I'm, I'm foregoing the ALDS, because I have faith that the Astros will get by the White Sox, okay, and there they are, the Tampa Bay Rays on the other side. If the Tampa Bay Rays can hold up their end of the bargain, I've made my plane tickets, my 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 hotel reservations and everything. If you guys don't choke it away and you have that number one seed, it's all good. What's going to happen here this week as the Rays are battling the Astros with a three-game lead for best overall record? And remember, my friend, when they played going way back when, early May, I believe it was, Astros took two out of three at the juice box at your juice box over there. Uh, This is a big series. Well, it does finish up the season. The number one seed is still hanging in the balance. Let me correct you, my friend. You did not say the defending American League champion, <laughs> Tampa Bay Rays, during that on a terrible Tuesday. So the defending champs are ready to try to lock up the number one seed, and it's it's been very interesting down here because the owner is making no friends. What was the name of that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? He's doing the exact opposite, How to how to uh, how shall we say urinate on the whole thing here because he's threatening to try to move the team half the year to Montreal, not the whole year. He wants to play half the year. What? what? In is this breaking news? What? What is and this? And the other half of the year in Montreal. Yes, you can call this breaking news. And so they're even going to publicize this idiotic idea during the postseason. They're going to have a sign in the right field corner, visible for television about about um, uh, Tampa Bay slash Montreal baseball, that he wants to play half the year in Montreal. Again, 
Uh, nobody down here believes that that has any legitimate chance of working. First of all, if you're Montreal, you're never going to build a stadium to only have the team half a year. That's crazy. You're trying to build a stadium to get a team for the entire year. When you're talking about a billion dollars or whatever it costs now to build stadiums. So anyway, that's part of the backdrop. The fans are in an uproar over the owner. ton of fans were out for all the knocking of the Rays' attendance. The, the Rays clinched against the awful Florida Marlins, Derek Jeter's Florida Marlins, and had over 20,000 people on Saturday. And I think they had like 23,000 on Sunday to, to lock up the, the American League East and beat the big bad Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. I loved all the media people saying, oh, well, the Rays had their, had their short season last year. They can't beat the Red Sox and the Yankees over a 162-game schedule in that division. And on a terrible Tuesday, they end up winning that division and may very well have the best record in the American League after 162 games. So you are on for Rays against your adopted Astros with your man, Dusty Baker. You're on. There, there you go. Hey, this that is an insane story. And again, yeah. they, they're, they're going to build a stadium in Montreal. They're Not for, for part-time or half the season. No, they're going to hijack your team. Okay, They're going to tell you one thing right now, and they're going to pull the rug, or they're going to get out the foreign object Okay, out of the trunks. Okay, <laughs> That's what they're going to do. And they're, or they're going to come to Mr. Fuji and bust out the salt and, and throw it in your eyes. That's what they're doing. And have you seen... These logos, you we know that the most iconic uh, logo of all time, okay, is that old Montreal's Expos logo where a lot of people thought it was ELB or whatever. It's, it's the M. And now they have made a Rays logo with that. It looks fantastic. A heck of a lot better than whatever that fish thing is that you currently have right now. Have you seen that? I, I, I have seen all the foolishness. The owner, Stu Sternberg, has continued with this silliness for the last couple of years, uh, never mind the fact uh, that he is, he is being hated for this down here. He's also the head of the relocation committee, trying to convince his fellow owners that this is a great idea. I am one of those that continues to rationally and sanely say on the airwaves and to everybody else, they're not going to let him out of his leash to try to do this, which he's been trying to do for the last couple of years and figure it out. The lease has still got six more years on it. And so... Again, with the backdrop of what a great season his team has put together to get into the postseason, he's now trying to play half the year in Montreal, which, by the way, the Players Association has yet to weigh in on that. On The, the players that are involved are, aren't going to be thrilled with how do we get paid part of the year in Canadian money maybe versus uh, the American dollar and all those other crazy parts of this while he continues to put this ludicrous idea out there, play half the season in Tampa Bay and half the season in Montreal, there's nobody else that realistically believes this has any legs or any chance, but he can keep babbling on about it. And and I do love the way you said my adopted team, the Houston Astros. You are so right yes. about that. Thank you very much for that. That's you, you nailed it. Very, very nicely done. I like that. All right. allegiance, much like a political hired gun, your yes. allegiance yes. is wherever the the uh, the dough is, or the or the friendship and the relationship is. And That's there you it. Go. That's it. Not the dough. Is exactly. You got got to support my buddy. Plain and simple. There there it is. All right. Yes, I'll be discarding uh, the Astros gear uh, the moment they say, "Oh, we're not renewing your contract." You know, <laughs> I, I've done it in Chicago. I've done it in Cincinnati and uh, did it in Washington, and I know it's coming. It's just one of those things that you know it's coming. Oh, yeah, we're going to win you know, 95 games again. No problem. Going to win the division going away. And then something ironic is going to happen where a backup catcher is going to get a catcher interference call or get picked off of first base in Game 7 of the ALCS. Yeah, so I'm already prepared for it, my friend. Yes, so 
Yeah, I, I will. I will I not just, dispute that with you. I will agree with you. Give you a high five for that. Very nicely done. Okay. Yes, and I'm, I'm ready for this postseason where yeah. we can have fans in the stands and the Rays don't have to go achieve the American League Championship in San Diego in yes. an empty stadium yeah. like they did last year yeah. against the Yankees. Well, you may be Astros. going to Montreal. Who knows? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it may, parts unknown, like you said, wrestling. So parts unknown, the Tampa Bay Rays. There, there it is. Go. Okay, and uh, so I got to throw this. As we know, uh, we had our good friend Steve Berline on, and he said, he dropped the breaking news. He said that I'm going to be. Alabama, Mississippi. I said, there's a Lane Kiffin sighting. He goes, and there's also going to be a TJ Reeves sighting. There <laughs> it is. Exactly right. Old Miss and Alabama. You guys will be on the call this weekend. Outstanding. And I'm supposed to ask you, uh, I understand that there's a Jameis Winston wager between my two friends. Yes. Yes. There absolutely is. And as I told Berline in Iowa, and I will keep repeating this on and off the air, he can lose whatever he would like to lose to me, whether it's a dinner, a round of golf, whatever it is, that Jameis Winston is going to intercept his way back to the bench in New Orleans. And I know they, they did a good job again of protecting him from being bad Jameis against New England, but it will happen. Berline was all cocky after the five-touchdown game against the Packers. And then when Jameis became Jameis again in the game with Carolina, Burline was like crickets. You couldn't find him anywhere. So we'll see how that works out. But, yes, a lot of good-natured fun back and forth on that one. Uh, I just keep reassuring him the real Jameis Winston will continue to throw interceptions. Well, I, br- I brought this up, and, and he's down for it. I said when I have you, when you, when I have you on today after him, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the bet for you. The bet is going to be dinner at Blue Ribbon at the Cosmopolitan with the <laughs> luscious chicken wing. He goes, I'm down for that. I said, since Absolutely. you – since you both love the place, as I said, I have there no problem the next time I'm in Vegas for him to buy dinner that Jameis Winston's going to throw more interceptions. There I said it, it to there. him. You can lose whatever you would like to lose to me. All right, there Out it is. Out of golf, whatever. It's blue ribbon. That is the bet, okay? That's it. And, and I get to play referee. I get to be right in the middle and, uh, <laughs> and, and witness this fiasco. There it is. But, yes, but, fiasco is a good word, and we're going to have – a lot of fun and a non-fiasco with Ole Miss and Alabama should be a fantastic game on Saturday on Compass Media Networks. I believe there's a there's a station there in Vegas. There's stations everywhere, compassmedianetworks.com. So we're excited to be on for that game. And then I hop on a plane, O-Dark 30, the next morning to fly to Foxborough, Massachusetts, yes. to fly to Providence, yes. Rhode Island, actually, which is closer to Foxborough than Boston is. Yeah. Fly there, be there, and be there for Sunday night. Quite the doubleheader. Ole Miss, Alabama, followed by Buccaneers, and the Patriots. Looking forward to it. All right, we just got a message uh, from our, our good friend C. Win. He said uh, that he will meet you at uh, Mons Venus in about an hour. Can you make it? <laughs> <laughs> the Mons is legendary as let's just say adult entertainment. Not far from Raymond James Stadium, right there on Dale Mabry, as opposed to Dale Mayberry. You <laughs> might get lost. There it if you're is. Looking for Dale Mayberry. There it is. There, uh, exactly. See, there it is. We, we got, see, I mean, listeners, hosts, they're all checking in here. There it is. <laughs> you got to love it. All right, brother. Be good, man. There it is. And ladies and gentlemen, there's TJ Reeves going to the wallet. What? No, he's not dropping a 20. He's not dropping a 10. He's going for the singles right there. Here comes Cinnamon on stage. Yes, it's the <laughs> lovely Cinnamon in Mons Venus. Wait, wait. How do you know their names? You need to I'm confess just... on the How do you know their names? I've never even. Way you know your, their I've, names. I've Come never, on now. I've never been to Mons Venus. I haven't That's been right. to Tampa. I've never even been to Tampa. I've been to the airport one time, I think. That's it. <laughs> All right, brother. Be good, man. And, uh, yes, I'll be 
I'll be listening uh, while I'm driving around in my car to listen to you and Burline with Ole Miss Alabama. I will definitely have some action on that game as well, too. And you, you know what side I'm going to be on. It will not be on the well, lane tip and rubber side. I have to be down the middle and calling the game, but very interesting that that's a 14-and-a-half or 15-point line yeah. for what, what was a very close game a year ago. Yeah. We'll see. Mississippi can score. We know that. All right, T.J. Reeves, go enjoy your dinner. Appreciate you taking the time and joining us, man. And again, next week, huge, extra large. It is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers traveling to Foxborough, and he will be on the call with that. Great stuff, man. We'll talk to you next week. I always love being with you. Taco Tuesday, because you always want to know. Taco Tuesday in the Reeves house. A little dinner upcoming here. You boys be well in the desert. Corner flour. Flour tortillas. Flour tortillas and I, I believe the uh, taco shells. And there you go, <laughs> taco shell. <laughs> Wait, a you can only have one or the other. I mean, you got oh the... no, we go we go hard tacos, soft tacos. Oh, okay. yeah, you know, do both. Good Two bits to the tack, brother. Good, good Two deal. Two bits to the tack. All right, taco man. Tuesday. Enjoy, man. We'll see you later. He Bye is T.J. Reeves, the Bucks sideline reporter, the Three Dog Thursday podcast that he has. Big fight weekend also. He authors that as well, too. Great podcast. And uh, I'll be on that as well coming up here as we start talking. Fury Wilder 3 coming up here next week. Looking forward to that. All right, we come back. Liz Cambage. You're going to hear from Liz as we get ready for game one of the WNBA semifinals taking place tonight here in Vegas at the Michelob Ultra Arena. You're listening to some bullshit on the TC Minor Show. The WNBA playoffs are here, and we are ready for game one. And we go inside with the big Benzie here. That should be a, that should be a regular segment, I think, you know? Big Benzie, yeah. driving around in a Benzie, the big Benz. There you go. Okay. Liz Cambage, Las Vegas Aces Center, as we get ready for game one tonight between the Aces and the Mercury. Liz, you missed several weeks, as we know. You were battling COVID. Talk about what you went through during that time. Man, I was down and out bad. We had practice on the Monday. We had Sunday off, had practice on the Monday. And I walked in, I walked into the training room. And I'm like, I, I, I just had a day off and my Achilles are aching. Like, I can't go on court today. And Michelle was like, go home. And I honestly think that was God because if I had hung around that day, <clears throat> you know, God forbid I had given it to someone else. I'm just so happy no one else around me got got it but yeah hit me on the monday tuesday night i was down and out and i knew straight away i was coming down with something so i ran off to cvs got me those uh little quick 20 minute tests and was positive for both of them and you know hit our trainers and then it was straight into lockdown and isolation and yeah i was in my room for 18 days while the girls battled it out um and got that that second seed spot which is like honestly helped me so much to spend this week just you know i've been in training camp this week and i was sore like i've all i did was lay in bed for two and a half weeks like i was down and out the first week i I was wasn't on my phone for five days i couldn't look at my phone because my migraines were so bad body sweats body aches um i couldn't stand for more than three minutes i'm so lucky there's a a bench in my shower because i would just sit in there heat all the way up eucalyptus oil tea tree oil try to steam you know the toxins out i was just lucky it didn't go in my lungs like second week i got a bit of a cough but it didn't go in my lungs and i'm just thankful for that and it's just good to be back 
who you look great and uh, you oh, sound yeah, I, great. I lost and, 15 uh, pounds. There, well, there you go. Thank okay. you. There you go. We are. Uh, we working it down. <laughs> so you got back on the court nine days ago in that last game, regular season game against Phoenix. Yeah. How did you feel during that game? I was very nervous. I was lucky um, as soon as I like was COVID-free, I went straight to L.A. The girls were in um, Chicago. And so I went to L.A., got a couple of days practicing, training with my trainers out there, and then met them in Phoenix, and Bill just threw me in. Mm-hmm. And if there's one way, you know, to get back into it, it's just thrown in the deep end, and that's what Bill does. So here we are. <laughs> what was the biggest challenge for you coming back from that illness and then getting ready for the playoffs? Just finding my lungs again. Like, I really laying in bed for two and a half weeks at the end of the season you know when everyone's cleaning it up getting it together i had a mini holiday vacation but um no i'm just blessed i got great trainers that looked after me <clears throat> lucky my mom's here she right. literally nursed me <clears throat> back to hell like double vax so i'm just happy she didn't get it as well and yeah i don't know it's god's plan i was protected for something or being saved for something so it won't, make, it won't make sense to the end of the path, but I feel like it will make sense in a couple of weeks. All right, Liz Cambage joins us. We get ready for game number one tonight. You didn't get a chance to play in the playoffs in the postseason last year. How hungry mm-hmm. are you right now? Yeah, I was just saying, it's been, it's been two years since we got eliminated by Washington, and it's crazy just to think, you know, that moment I've been wanting so badly again to be here is, is here. Um, so... I'm just taking it moment by moment, day by day, then play by play, game by game. Um, it's a grind. It's probably going to be the longest three weeks of our life, but we're ready. So you've been in the playoffs before. You've played in these elimination type of games. Mm-hmm. You've played internationally, of course, the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Is the mentality a little bit different now when you get into this elimination process? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's... Like, elimination games, one and done, I'm used to. Like, that's how I grew up playing in Australia was semifinals, grand final. It was never a playoff series. So, against Washington, that was my first taste of a playoff series. I, I've never, never before. Like, to, uh, elimination games with Dallas, you know, we, we, I got knocked out by Phoenix then. Um, but, yeah, it, it's different, you know. You can you can adjust. You have time to adjust and learn and and, and you know come back and, and win another game but one and done it's it's one and done it's right. do or die right. um i don't know which one i prefer you know playoffs is a grind it's different it's right. different my legs ain't never felt like that like that <laughs> last game that i played i still remember like deladon shooting on like the s of the aces sign in the middle of the court i was shooting a three over me and i was just like I don't know how she made that distance right now because my legs like can hardly run me up and down this court. But, you know, I'm ready. I've been waiting for this moment. Um, I'm feeling good. I've been back with the girls for a week, and I'm ready to go. You are free spirit. Mm-hmm. You, you're very open about, you know, talking about your past, talking mm-hmm. about what you're going through. Now you're widely recognized throughout mm-hmm. the world. Is it difficult being you at times? It's different. You know, I've done a lot of reflecting um, and, like, looking inside out, but also outside in. And I've realized that a lot of my life, people look up to me and people see me, but I don't see myself the way you see me. So it's kind of like you see a lighthouse, but I've been up in the tower and I don't know what I look like. Like, that's really 
how I've been for like the last 27 years. So I don't know, everyone has their own things that they deal with in life. Like, I don't think anyone has it easy. Like, I think a lot of people would struggle to, to last a day in my shoes. Mm-hmm. They're big shoes to fill. Okay. You know, physically, literally, spiritually. Size like 18, right? <laughs> 13, 14. <laughs> Depends on the, on the you know, who's making them. But, yeah, these ain't no easy 13, size 13, easy slides to be walking around in. Oh, what you got on? I think I'm a 13 girl. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm close oh, we, with you. we twins? Yeah. We, okay. we twins. There you go. Okay. I'll keep, I'll, I'll note that next time. Uh, what goals are most important to you? Win. Winning. I want to ring. That's it. That's all that's on my mind right now. You look good in some bling, don't you? Oh, honey, diamonds (laughs) and gold. I need a Mark Davis. Let's go, baby. How much have you thought about basketball beyond this year? Even just, you know, your future in general? I haven't. I've just like, just see where this goes. This is, this is the mission right now. You know, I'm done with overseas. You won't catch me in China or Europe. That's for sure. Um, but my future right here, right now, like, is with the Aces until we get that ring. Liz Cambage joins us to be ready for Game 1 tonight, facing the Phoenix Mercury. Brittany Griner, who you mm-hmm. know very, very well, mm-hmm. what is it like defending her? It's not easy. You know, Brittany's been hooping the... I wanted to swear, but she's been bowling out. <laughs> she's been bowling out this season, and I'm proud of I'm proud of her as a as a fellow big, as a friend. Like it's great to see her doing well. But you know, we got to come out and, and shut that down today. You've talked before about the talent on this team, mm. and you know, seven double digit scores. Mm-hmm. Does it get frustrating at times that maybe you don't get the ball maybe as much as you want, or are you actually fine with being on a team like this? Because let's be honest, I mean, in the past, I mean, you've had to shoulder mm. a lot of the scoring and a lot of everything in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not easy to adjust, but we've all made sacrifices on this team. You know, Plum's coming off the bench, doing her thing. Um, I've definitely taken a step back, um, but you know we we came here on knowing what what we're getting ourselves into, and I think Bill has really handled it well. And you know it's not easy managing you know ten girls that could be starting five on any other team. You know there's only five spots in forty minutes, and that's not that's not easy to manage. And I think he's done a great job. And I think he's definitely coach of the year. I don't think a lot of coaches in the league could handle us like like uh, like he has. How good do you feel about the chemistry on this team? You know, it's been very up and down and all over the shop the whole season. But just the way the girls are clicking and, you know, most of our bench played that last Phoenix game. And just seeing those girls get out there, you know, executing and, and flowing together, it's exciting. And I, I really think we are the deepest team in the league. And that's what's going to win, get us the win. How do you see this series playing out? Well, game by game, day by day. But we've got three games to win right now, yeah. and then we've got to win another three. So that's, yeah. that's my vision. Final thing for you, Liz. What do you want to say to the fans out there that support you and maybe even the fans that really don't know you that well? What do you want to say to them? I'm just super grateful, you know, no organization has loved me and protected me and respected me like the Aces have. So I'm just grateful from, you know, the the, the top of the office down to our fans. Um, It's been nothing but love since I touched down in in Vegas. And I was really scared to move here. I was a big party girl in my teenage days and early 20s. And, 
you know, if I got drafted here at 19, I don't think I would have made it out alive. Like, Sin City would have chewed me up and spit me out as a as a 19-year-old. And that's why I really trust God's plan. Like, I got put in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it made me, it was tough. It was, it was some of the toughest days of my life, but it kept me out of trouble, that's for sure. Just grateful that I've got such great people around me that lift me up. And, and when we walk into the house, it's mm-hmm. lit every game. When we're down, you pick us back up to get back in the lead and win the game. And I just want to put on a show and, and, and bring Vegas their first championship. There you go. Yeah. All right. Liz Cambage, pleasure always talking with you. Pleasure hanging out with you. Pleasure watching you play. And good luck tonight. Good luck in the series. And uh, hopefully uh, there's that parade down Las Vegas Yo. Boulevard in a few weeks, huh? Hey, <laughs> our celebrations are going to be disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful but we ready we gotta let's let's get it in and then you know then it's party time vegas style there it is liz cam beige thank you tc there she is liz cam beige getting ready for game number one tonight michelob ultra arena at the mandalay bay the aces and the phoenix mercury what talent is going to be on that floor tonight uh, future hall of famers of diana tarazi Brittany griner for the phoenix mercury and of course the Aces, with the loads of talent that they have, Liz, Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum is going to be named the Sixth Woman of the Year, Dierka Hamby the Sixth Woman of the Year, the last two seasons. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be on Chelsea Gray. She came over from L.A. She's got a ring. Um, you know, The only Aces player that actually has, has won a championship before. It's going to be great tonight. So get out to the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena. Pack the place. Tickets available at access.com, AXS.com. And if you haven't got on this Aces bandwagon or the WNBA, this is it. All right. Game number one tonight. Best of five series. The Aces have the number two seed. Battled hard all season long. 24 and 8 is the record. And it's going to be great tonight at the Mandalay Bay. Looking forward to it. Uh, Aces, a seven point favorite. For entertainment purposes only, right? <laughs> uh, over the Phoenix Mercury. And the Mercury have been on this, uh, you know, elimination, you know, run here, basically, where they had to do two do or die games and won them both. It went up to Seattle uh, on Sunday, and now they get coming to Vegas. So uh, could be advantage aces, but tough matchup. Last time these two teams played uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, actually, less than a couple weeks ago, end of the regular season, Aces won by one. That game was kind of meaningless. But the last time they played here, 99-90 overtime win for the Mercury. What a great game that was. And we expect this to be a great series starting tonight. All right. Uh, update news here with uh, UFC fighter John Jones in trouble again. Uh, here in Las Vegas, he got into a altercation with a woman, pulled her hair, and then headbutted a police car. This happened hours after the UFC inducted one of his fights into the UFC Hall of Fame last weekend. Now, this actually happened early Friday morning, uh, last Friday morning, about 6 a.m., and John Jones was arrested on two charges. Um, one was an injury. And the other was tampering to a vehicle and battery, a domestic violence. Uh, one a felony, one a misdemeanor. He was released on $8,000 bond. He is due back in court on October the 26th. So here's basically what happened here. So Jones, this event was at Caesars. And 
They're up in a hotel room. Jones became irate, smashed his head onto the front hood of a police car, causing a medium-sized dent in paint chipping. That led to the felony charge of injury and tampering to a vehicle. Uh, In an interview at Caesars, uh, the woman involved in the incident told police that Jones was a little physical with her, touching the back of her head, pulling her hair. She said that Jones did not hit her. However, police observed blood on the woman's uh, clothing and a bump on her lip, and she also had dried up blood on her face. Uh, She explained that her lips were really dry. Police also observed blood on the bed sheets in the hotel room. Now, the woman also told police that Jones was aggressive with her, but not violent. He grabbed the back of her hair to prevent her from leaving the hotel room. So, John Jones, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, if not the greatest. But his image continues to get tarnished, and he's in trouble once again. And this happened last Friday night uh, here in Vegas. So, he'll be back in court on October the 26th. Not a good look for Dana White. Not a good look for the UFC at all. All right. I want to thank TJ Reeves for joining us from Tampa Bay, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. Of course, our good friend Steve Berline. And uh, Steve talking about the Raiders and all of the quarterback stuff. Great stuff. All of those interviews and the show will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. And, of course, Liz Cambage as well. Two. All right, Aces in action tonight. Like we said, game number one at Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena, 7 o'clock tip-off tonight. We reconvene here tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Timmy B is going to join us. The legendary broadcaster, Tim Brando. We'll have some fun with that. Tim Brando with the Fox Sports. He'll be on the football call this week. Iowa and Maryland, great Big Ten battle. Always fun visiting with uh, Tim Brando. So he'll join us tomorrow, plus a whole lot more. Coming your way, we'll recap what took place tonight at the Mandalay Bay with the Aces and the Mercury, and we get ready to look ahead to college football Saturday and the NFL on Sunday. T.C. Martin saying so long. Have yourself a good one. Miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com.